All right, y'all ready to get into the Word of God today? Can we pray and ask the Lord's blessing on it? Amen. Let's do so. Father, we're so thankful that your Word lives, and uh, it is truth, and it ministers life to us. And Lord, we're dependent upon it. So we're asking today, Holy Spirit, for your anointing on, on this very, very practical message as we begin this series on the parables of Jesus. We thank you for your anointing and your fruit that will come from it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today, we are starting a series for the entire month of July on the parables of Jesus. Now, I've assembled an, an excellent team of ministers to help me do this because, uh, as I said, uh, this is the only Sunday in August that I will be here, and, uh, and uh, we'll start our vacation tomorrow, and I promise you we'll come back better. Amen? So how many of you going to pray for us to be refilled? Four of you. Great. All right. Y'all aren't as, as, I can tell right now, y'all are not as excited about my vacation as I am. I, I can see that right now. Anyway, anyway, so I've got a great team between Pastor Todd and uh, Glenn. Actually, Glenn Brooks is going to minister one Sunday. Uh, Brad Abley is going to minister a couple of Sundays. And what I've asked them to do is just to select a parable. Now, that's really difficult. You know why? Because there's 31 unique parables in the Gospels, 31 of them. So that's pretty tough. This is definitely not an exhaustive series on the parables of Jesus, but it would be, uh, it'd be maybe even a miniature taste, uh, just maybe to whet your appetite for more uh, from the parables of Jesus that you can study on your own. But today, I've picked one, the sower and the seed, to get started on. But first, let me just make some introductory comments about parables, and this will kind of set a foundation and framework for, for them as they come in these future works. First of all, what is a parable? I mean, what does the word parable even mean? It actually means two things that are being compared to one another. It means using something else as kind of a, as, as a metaphor or as an example. So you're comparing two things. Someone said it very accurately. They said, parables are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. I like that. It's an earthly story but has a heavenly meaning. And parables are powerful ways that Jesus chose to teach. In fact, it's one of the primary methods that Jesus employed to communicate his message, uh, particularly to his disciples. We do learn, in fact, you're gonna, there's a part of this uh, chapter that I'm going to skip over a little bit today, but in Mark chapter 4, you will actually learn, Jesus says, parables, I, I, I'm teaching in parables because I don't want people, uh, certain people to understand. I, I'm really teaching this for those who are followers of mine, and those who are really interested in knowing truth and following after me, and they're designed to kind of hide the truth from people who I don't want to understand. And so uh, thank God that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and helps us to understand, plus hopefully I can help as well today. So uh, that was his reason. He wanted the message to remain hidden and veiled for some. But parables was his method of teaching, and it was usually using things that were very common to people, something that they could relate to, something that they had seen, something that was a, a very obvious picture. Now, today, as we study the parables, sometimes we need a little help because some of the things that were commonplace in the days of Jesus were not so, are not so common today. We need a little help understanding it. I think today's is pretty straightforward, and so we won't have any problems. So today, we're going to be speaking uh, from the parable that we find in Mark chapter 4. It's actually the only place that this parable is used, 
And most scholars believe this was actually the very first parable that Jesus ever taught and becomes a framework and a foundation for understanding the other parables. And so we're going to read from Mark chapter 4. I'm going to skip a few verses here, but we're going to start in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 20. Are you ready? It's on the screen in case you don't have it on your own Bible or your own device. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat. He sat sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Stop just for a moment. Why did Jesus always teach from a boat in the lake or many times do that? Do you think he just loved boats that much? Maybe. Uh, Maybe he just loved water that much. Uh, But the real reason was very practical. Who knows? Y'all can talk. By the way, this is church, but y'all can talk, all right? You don't have to. uh, I'm not going to call on you. Just shout it out to me. Why? For acoustics. Wow. He sees a big crowd. There's a small group. He just gathered together and pull them all around, just have a chat. But he was trying to what? He was trying to project where literally thousands of people could hear the message. And by positioning himself on the lake, guess what? Immediately, the, the words were transmitted along the ways. Any of you ever uh, any of you ever been on the lake or on a river or someplace and you were trying to say something about somebody else that was across the lake, you whispered it and, and, and they heard you all the way across the lake? Smart move, don't do that. All right, don't do that because it's amazing how water will amplify your words. So Jesus is teaching the crowds and he's teaching this message. So here's the setting. He is all the people on the shore. They're listening to him and beginning in verse two, it says, and he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen. So now he's getting their attention. Everybody listen, pay attention. Here's the lesson. And he starts off like this. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell on good soil. It came up and it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some a hundred times. Verse 9, it says, then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Then it goes, skip down to verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Now, starting in verse 14, Jesus unpacks the parable. He explains them. This is what I call a freebie. Because a lot of times when Jesus taught with parables, he didn't go into any explanation. He just gave the parable and and left it up to them to try to figure this thing out. So this is what I call a freebie. You know, sometimes your first day in class, you know, the prof will give you a little, you know, little help, you know, on whatever it is that they're trying to help you to do and uh, give you a little give you a little grace. So this is Jesus offering a freebie. This time, there's no doubt. He not only teaches something in a parable, but then he says, here's what it means. So it's pretty simple. But then he starts explaining it in verse 14. The farmer sows the word. 
Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some a hundred times what was sown. Wow. I think you can see that this is a powerful parable. It has a lot of important applications. Let me give a very simple explanation that Jesus actually gives in this text, but just to summarize it for you, all right? The seed in this parable, in this story, the seed, Jesus says, is what? The Word of God. So he's comparing seed that's sown by the farmer to the word of God. He's also saying seed, when a farmer takes seed, the way they would have done it in Jesus' day is they would have a farmer, he would have a field, he would have a bag, and he'd have a bunch of loose seed. And he would go and he would broadcast that seed, literally just taking seed, loose seed in his hand, and he would just be scattering it like that. I know some of you are really sophisticated, but even, even now, whenever I plant re, reseed my lawn in the fall, many times, I'll, I'll do it just like that, just by hand. I know some of you are really cool and you have the machinery and all that stuff. Man, I'll just take it out of the bag and just scatter it like that. But when that happens, seed falls in different places, doesn't it? Hmm? So what he's trying to say is it, the, the seeds get planted everywhere, but only some of the seeds will grow to the point of actually producing a harvest or a crop. Only some seeds. So the potential is, yes, in the seed. The potential is there. But the key to whether or not it will produce a harvest does has nothing to do with the seed itself. Are y'all getting this? Nothing to do with the seed and all to do with what? The soil. So the productivity has to do with the soil's reset. And the, in this story, there are four soil types mentioned by Jesus. And they each represent differing levels of receptivity to God's word. Let me see if I can give you a summary statement of this parable. The spiritual impact of God's word is not based on the content of the message. Now, that, you know, that, that's, that's profound. But that's what Jesus is saying. Saying the spirit, the true spiritual impact is not based on the content of this because the word is the word of God. It's inspired. It's able to do all kinds of things. 
But what does it depend on? What does the spiritual result and impact depend on? It depends on how the word is heard and received. A farmer is interested in one thing, a return on his investment. Otherwise, he's doing it for entertainment. Otherwise, he's just out there for exercise. But let's face it. A smart farmer is is thinking about how much seed do I have to buy and how much work do I have to expend or how many people do I have to hire to actually get the seed broadcast and planted where it needs to be planted. He's thinking about one thing, what? Harvest. What's going to come up on the harvest? If you will, farmer is thinking like any smart businessman, ROI. Return on investment. And when it comes to God's word, which is the ultimate lesson here, it depends on the hearts of those receiving it. Now, many years ago, I had a misunderstanding of this parable. I used to think this way, and I find that some people still interpret it this way. I used to think, okay, Jesus is trying to explain that there's four different types of people on earth. There are some people who are always hard. They're just like cement, and they're, they're never, ever, ever going to be receptive to the word. Then there's some people that are shallow, and, and, and the word, when it goes there, it's just, it, it'll, you know, it comes up, but then it's going to fail real quickly because they're not deep enough. And then there's always people who have the weeds in their life. And then there's people who are good soil. Yeah. So always look for the 25%, yeah. and those are the people to really sow into That's not what Jesus is trying to say. In fact, what he's trying to say is that any one of us at any moment can have one of the four kinds of soil. Now, we don't like to hear that, but that is the truth. Because there are some days uh, this heart is not ready for the word of God to be planted in the right condition. My heart isn't as receptive as in other times. And then there are other times when I choose to have the right heart, the right acceptance, the right receptivity to God's word. And guess what? God's word has this amazing effect and produces this great harvest. So the reason this is important as a parable for you and for me today is because any of you at this very moment, there's probably people in this room at this very moment. Now, I'm, now today I'm teaching the word. So what am I doing? I'm throwing some seed out there. All right, so I'm, today I'm just... Throwing some seed out there. And the question is, how are you going to receive it? There's some of you that are planning right now. You're planning lunch. You're planning July 4th. You're, pl- you're thinking about how much work. You're thinking about everything other than what I'm talking about. I got news for you. The word ain't going to do you a bit of good today. It's not going to do you any good at all. No harvest is going to come from that. Am I right? How many of you know all of us have been there? All of us have been there, all right? We check out, right? So what Jesus is trying to say is, what is the condition of your heart right now? And we need to be aware of our heart's receptivity at all times, all right? Now, here's the way Jesus taught this. He taught us that there's two different ways to receive the word. The seed is the word. The farmer sows the seed. So there's two different ways. There is the wrong way. He starts with the wrong way, by the way. 
He says, here's the wrong way to receive the word. And then over there, he's going to say, here's the right way for you to receive God's word. Tell us the wrong way and the right way. So let's start with the wrong way and see what Jesus explains to us. And he uses these different soil types. Are you ready for these? Number one, the first kind of wrong way to receive the word of God is number one, a hard heart. Everybody say hard heart is when the word of God is stolen. It's where God's word gets stolen from the ground. You see, some of the seeds fell, Jesus said, on hard pathway. One translation will use the word the wayside, meaning it was a path where everybody had been walking, had been trampled down. It was hard ground, particularly in the Middle East. It was hard. And if see, some of the seed would actually be accidentally cast over into that hard pathway. And what he said is there, nothing's going to happen. The, the seeds are simply going to fall. It would be like me uh, reseeding my lawn and just scattering a bunch of seed. And some of it's going to go on the driveway. What happens to the seed that go in the driveway? Nothing. No, no good for me. Sure not going to help my lawn any. And in fact, it probably won't take long and birds will come and they'll actually eat the seed. Any of y'all have bird feeders at your house? Two of you have bird feeders? Man, y'all are a bunch of boring people. How many of y'all have, oh, I know the Rusix. Y'all have 28 bird feeders at your house. All right. If you have a bird feeder, all right, that sits on a pole at your house, if you, I know y'all are stupid about this, so just listen to me, all right? If you have a bird feeder and it sits on a pole at your house and you're feeding the birds, the birds, they come and eat it, most of them make a mess. And half the seeds get taken out of the bird feeder, right? And it falls down on the ground. And when they fall down on the ground, guess what happens? Two things, birds eat it and squirrels eat it. So you get squirrels and birds and they come and eat what's left on the ground. It's the same principle. The idea is that seed that are cast over there onto that concrete driveway do absolutely no good at all. And he said, when these seeds, some seeds are put on this kind of ground and he's comparing it to us. He said, some of your hearts are the same way. They've been, you're, you've been trampled on. Your hearts are hard. And he said, your hearts are just, li just like that dead pan soil. You're a hard heart where the word of God gets stolen. Now listen to this. Watch what happens. He says in the scripture, he said, the birds of the air will come and they'll take the seed. When he interprets this story, don't be blaming me for this now. Okay? Now just Jesus explains to us. When he explains the story, how did he explain that? He said... There is an invisible process happening. When the word of God gets sown and cast this way, if it falls on that kind of soil, and in reality, whenever it's whenever seed's sown, even if it actually falls on, on halfway decent ground, he said, Satan, Satan and his demons are watching to see when seeds are sown. And when the word of God is sown, the enemy is looking for the opportunity to swoop down and to take that seed and to steal it from your heart. Why? He knows that the word of God will make a difference in your life. It'll transform your life. It'll renew your mind. It will save people. It will change their lives. God's word, the gospel, has the power to do that. The devil knows that. He knows if he sees seed out there, whew, 
He's going to dispatch demons to fly down there and to grab that seed from your heart. Many of you have heard messages before or you've read the Word of God, morning devotion, and by the time you get to work, the devil has already come and stolen out of your heart. Am I right? Why? It's the condition of the heart. And when our hearts are hardened, the message doesn't take root. Have you ever noticed how attentive the enemy is? When you start trying to study God's word, when you get serious, like, okay, I'm really going to, I'm really going to study today. How many of you have noticed that about 10 minutes in, the baby will start crying? How many of you notice it? I mean, something happens, something significant distraction takes place to get your mind and attention where off the word. Do you think all of that is accidental? How many of you ever noticed when you really start to get busy praying, you fall asleep in five minutes? How many of you, it's amazing. You, you want to get to sleep? Just start praying. Have trouble sleeping? Pray. Pray more. Because I promise you, people start praying. You, you'll, you'll get sleepy. Why? The enemy will do anything he can to keep you out of God's presence. He'll do anything he can to keep the word of God out of your heart. Am I preaching the truth today? All right, number two, he gives us a second kind. Number one is what? A hard heart where the word of God is stolen. That's the first soil he describes. Second soil he describes is a shallow heart where the word is starved. A shallow heart where the word is starved. Now, this second condition represents someone who hears the word, it's planted, and in fact, they even when they hear it, they're like, whoa, this is cool. They receive it with joy. There's excitement. They get this warm, fuzzy feeling like, oh, oh, glory to God. Oh, oh, I got that. Oh, that was great. And they get these warm and fuzzies. And then the next thing you know, after this great insight that comes from your study or the pastor makes a powerful point for a change and you hear it and it's about Tuesday, about Tuesday, you're discouraged and depressed. Well, explain that to me. Truth is that we can't base our faith on feelings. But this describes someone who has life is shallow. Their heart is shallow. They don't have yet enough depth in their spiritual life in order to hold the gospel message. I've seen it happen many times. I've seen people who have heard the message, for example, that, that God is a miracle-working God, and they hear maybe they need a miracle, and there's not enough depth of the word, depth of their spiritual life to hold on to. So there's an initial reaction, and then it's like the faith that's created immediately then gets stolen. I know people who, 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 who many, many, many people who resemble this kind of soil. Now, I grew up in a small town in between San Antonio and Austin, Texas, all right? And in Texas, um, it, it's much of the state, there's all different kinds of geological and topographical formations in the state because it's so big. But in central Texas, there is a right along the primary interstate that cuts our state, Interstate 35, there are geological fault lines, all right? And it makes for a whole lot of caverns and caves and uh, fresh-fed, uh, spring-fed lakes and rivers. In fact, in my hometown, there's a river that starts right there because of the springs. The hometown that I grew up in is divided right in half 
by a fault line. Half of the town is in what we call the hill country. The hill country, rolling hills, it's real rocky, uh, the soil is extremely shallow, it's really nice. I love the hill country. By the way, they didn't name it after my family. But anyway, it's the hill country. Uh, but it, it's rocky and the soil, you, you hardly find anything. You find some weeds out there, a little bit of brush, and short little cedar trees. You can drive two miles across town. And all of a sudden, the topography totally changes. And it's deep, rich, fertile soil. All the farmers farm on that side of town. Why? Because of the difference in the soil. But there are many Christians that are like the hill country. And you can't grow hardly anything there. You can plant something and you'll get an immediate response. But now for not long, guess what? It dries up, can't hold the moisture, and it will dry. Jesus compares this to Christians who have troubles. Now, we all have troubles. We're all going to have stuff happen in life. He says the difference is this. If you don't have your heart properly prepared and you don't have enough depth of your faith and your walk in God, the word that comes to your heart, it simply doesn't last because all it takes, I mean, at first it's like, oh, hallelujah, oh, this is cool, this is great. But it's only a matter of time before the heat gets turned up. And when it gets scorching hot, guess what? Persecution hits. Troubles hit, adversity comes, and now it's all gone. So there's no crop, no long-term crop and harvest produced because of the condition of our hearts. Does this make any sense? So number two, shallow heart where the word is starved. Let's look at number three. Number three is a crowded heart. A crowded heart where the word is strangled. This time, it is a crowded heart where the word is strangled. Jesus told us some seed fell on good soil. He said, but as the seeds began to grow, there were other seeds in that soil. And they were weeds or thorns. And we all understand that weeds are no good, particularly if they're in your garden. Particularly if they're growing where you don't want them to grow. They can be a real pain in the neck. Am I right? So it's amazing how much effort people put into getting rid of the weeds. Jesus said, it's just like that. Some Christians' hearts are just like that. They accept the word. The word has a place. The soil is good enough for the word to grow in there. They have enough depth that it's taken roots, germinated. But the problem is they've got too many weeds in their life. And because of all the, the competing weeds, the real seed of God's word gets choked. There's not room for it. You have so many weeds, the right kind of plant gets choked out. Jesus is so careful about this, he even tells us three kinds of weeds. Now, I suspect that there's more than three. But he is so definitive, he even tells us three kinds of weeds to avoid. Number one, worry. Oh, boy. Worry and anxiety. Worry is a weed. In fact, may I be so bold to say worry is sin. I, I know you don't like hearing that. Worry is sin. You say, well, why is worry sin? Everybody worries. No, worry is you not trusting God enough. 
Someone defined worry to me many years ago and said, here's what worry is. Worry is you assuming responsibility for something God didn't give you. When we're worrying about something, we're taking it on ourselves, and we ought to be entrusting it to God. Did you know what worry will do? Worry and anxiety will literally choke, put a stranglehold, crowd out the room in your heart for the word of God that God wants to make a difference in us. We're going to have to deal with worry. Philippians tells us, don't, chapter 4, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, by prayer, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. How do you think that's a better option than worry? Yeah. Now, I will be frank with you, it's not easy. Because we live in a stressed out world. But we have to really work at this to get this weed out. Because why? It's going to choke the Word of God. Some of you haven't been doing well lately spiritually. You know why? Too much work. It's choking out the Word that's already in there. Number two is wealth. And I should have put more specifically there. It's not just wealth as in having money. It actually, the way the Scripture defines it is the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, if you interpret that, here's what it means. It means... uh, deceitfulness meaning the lying nature. If you're deceitful, that means you're a proven liar. I can't trust you because you have a pattern of lying to me. Jesus is saying, did you know that money will lie? Money and wealth will lie to you. So I've got just a little bit, my time's just about up, but I've just got a little game to play with you, all right? I need your response. Let's play like we're money. What kind of lies do you think money tells? There's a whole bunch of them. I made a long list of them. But I want you to see if if you can come up. What are some of the lies we get most commonly we hear from money? What are some of the lies? Yes. You need more. See, see, that's already a lie. Always the problem is what? You just need more. What's another one? Money will always make you happy. Is that a lie that you've heard from money? Yeah, money says that all the time. Yes, Trevor? It can make your trip. Yep, all you need is money. Problems go away. It's just, thank you. It will give you security. Those are all lies, folks. Anybody else? Have a good one? Yes, over here, sir. That's right. It's whose job? It's your job to solve all the problems. And I'll just, if you get more, if you get more money, you can solve everybody's problems. In fact, people who have more money many times have more problems, don't they? Yeah, if you have money, if you have money, everybody's going to like you. How many of you know that's not true? That's right. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a lie. That's a lie. All right, so my point is what? This is the deceitfulness of money. There's nothing wrong with having money. In fact, God wants you to have more and more, but he wants you to make sure it's in proper priority, and he doesn't want you listening to the lies of money. All right? So it's the love of money is the problem. Number three, Jesus actually adds this one. Amazing. He said it's the desire. Now, I rephrase this a little bit. But it literally is what it means, the desire for more stuff. This is a weed. Now, we, there's some words that we could put on this. What word would we give for this, the desire for just having more stuff? Greed, lust. There's another one I'm looking for. Materialism. Materialism. Brent, you cheated. You were in the first service. That does not count. He thinks he he can't get by with that with me. Materialism. 
which, which just means what? I got to have more, 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 more stuff, more stuff. Look, the last thing most of us in this room need is more stuff. In fact, some of us need to get rid of some stuff. Am I right? But he said, if you have this insatiable desire and need for more stuff, I've got to have this, got to have that, got to have that. Oh, that's version 2.0. Did you know version 3.3? Version 3.0 is now. I've got to have this. I've got to have number six. Oh, you, what do you have? You have number eight? Oh, I've got to get number eight. What is that? The desire for more stuff. It's a worldly spirit that Christians are susceptible to. You know what it is? It'll quench, choke God's word. All right. So we've looked at three different kinds of ways that the heart, condition of the heart, is not receptive to God's word. All right. Now you all ready for the right way? And then we close. The right way to receive God's word. Jesus tells us exactly what the right way is. He says it right there in, in the scripture that we read. Let me read it again to you in verse 20. He says, others like seed sown on what kind of soil? Good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. So now this is the contrast. Wrong kinds of ways to receive the word. Over here is the right way. And the object is, uh, is to what? What do we say that the farmer's intent from the very beginning was? Get a harvest. Get a return on his investment, right? This now he provides for us a picture of a heart condition that promises a harvest. Jesus said repeatedly, repeatedly throughout the, the Gospels, he said, anyone who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And he tells us here, this is the way to have the right kind of heart, the right kind of fertile soil that's going to produce a good, good harvest. He says, here's how to have productive soil in your life and a receptive heart. Number one, you have to hear the word. You got to take it in. You got to ingest it. You got to be exposed to it. So you got to be around the word of God yourself personally and corporately. Take it in the word. Number one, hear it. Number two, accept it. The word accept means to hold on to tenaciously, means to receive it, to grab it, lay hold of it. A lot of people, they hear God's word and they're like, ah, well, well. Yeah, well, maybe. And, and you're, you, you know, you debate with it for 10 minutes, and then, well, I don't know, and maybe. The, and, and Jesus is saying, you can't just hear it. You've got to accept it. Right. Hearing it alone is not enough. You've got to receive it. In other words, let it get planted. Yeah. It's got to plant itself in your heart. Hear it, accept it, and then the result is what? Harvest. It produces a crop. The right kind of heart. And it's beautiful here because of something that really would be understandable to a Jewish farmer. It says, and sometimes you'll get 30-fold, sometimes 60-fold, sometimes 100-fold. A 30-fold would be just kind of a so-so eh, year. 60-fold return on my seed. Then there's 60-fold. That's, that's a pretty good return. The Jewish farmer would say, yeah, that's good. That's a good crop. 100-fold? Oh my gosh, a hundredfold return. That would be like super miraculous, like a once every hundred years super bumper crop. Be amazed to have that. And Jesus is saying, here, you can see a great harvest and crop in your life. 30, 60, 100 fold, depending on how you hear it, how you receive it, how you walk with it. Today, 
God's message is pretty straightforward to us. What condition is your heart in today? Is your heart the right kind of soil today? There's the wrong way to receive God's word, and there's the right way. You and I regularly have to choose the condition of our soil. Would you stand with me? Would you bow your heads with me for a moment, please, as our prayer teams come forward? This morning, I just want to ask you to respond to the Lord. I think probably the most common condition out of all those three wrong ways is the condition where things choke the Word. I think that's probably the most common thing we fall into. So maybe you're here this morning and you can be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I I know my heart's, in some ways right now, my heart's like deadpan concrete. Or maybe you need to admit that your heart is shallow and you need to deepen your walk with Him. Or maybe you need to confess and say, Lord, I've got stuff, I've got weeds. Weeds are choking. Identify that between you and the Lord right now as I pray. Lord, today we're coming to you because we want our hearts to be fruitful and to bear good crops for you, a harvest in our life for us and that we can bless others. So, Lord, we're asking that you would just reveal to us, Lord, where our hearts are not receptive as they need to be. We repent, Lord. We repent for times allowing ourselves to have hardened hearts. We repent for shallow hearts. We repent for overcrowded hearts. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to change us. We thank you that there is ample forgiveness for us. And Lord, we ask that today, Lord, we choose to embrace an open, fertile soil in our hearts. We don't, Lord, we're, we're exposed to a lot of seed, actually. But it just seems to not have a proportionate harvest. So help us, Lord, that we would be fruitful followers. We pray in Jesus' name. Now, our prayer teams are gathered here at the front, and they're here because you may have a need in your life that you need someone to agree in prayer for. Maybe you don't have the right relationship with God through Jesus, and you can have a new life through Jesus today. But I just ask that you would just come forward and let one of these couples pray with you. Whatever your need is, whatever's going on in life, I promise you God has an answer. And these teams are here to pray with you and agree with you. So I invite you to come. And Brent's going to come and he's just going to declare a blessing over your life and your family and uh, for over your week. And you be receptive to that. And then uh, after his declaration, then you'll be released this morning. Brent. Would you look up at me this morning as I speak a blessing over you? Scripture says that the pure at heart shall see God. I bless you this week with a pure heart to discern the movement of God in and around your life. I I bless you with spiritual ears to be able to hear the voice of God in the midst of all the other noise. And I bless your heart to be receptive, open and receptive. May the word of God produce great fruit in your life this week. 
May the peace of God that passes all understanding, may it be a guard about your heart and mind. May the joy of the Lord this, wor- this week be your strength. But you know today you are the children of God. You are the favored of God. Let's walk in His favor. God bless you.